Welcome everybody to the No BS Podcast with Brian and Susan. We are here March 8th. Oh my God, it's springtime. And that means new original flavors of No BS. I'm Brian Kluger and I'm joined by the hostess with the mostess in Dallas, Texas. Her name is Susan Kamyab Stevens. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun to uh, do these intros with you. <laughs> yes, I know. Do you, do, do you know what I'm going to say every time? Are you just like, are you nervous? Or do you think I'm going to say something weird? No, I'm just like, I'm going to let Brian do his thing. And I'm going to uh, do mine, which is probably going to be very uh, chill. <laughs> very chill. It is early in the morning here in Dallas. Uh, no idea why I'm so wired. Maybe it's well, probably because you got your Starbucks in. I got that I Starbucks life. I got that Starbucks life, yo, sponsored by <laughs> Starbucks. Uh, no BS podcast. We're here. Susan and I, we're here to talk about, of course, this season of The Bachelor. It's coming to the hometowns uh so we have lots to talk about up until then we have our main event since this weekend will be the oscars and so our main event today will be about those best picture oscars throughout the years best and worst we have our blind watch and our honorable mention things that we're watching uh first off susan should we talk about The Bachelor? Yeah, we All have right. to talk about The Bachelor. Yes, I have a lot to say. Well, first of all, before, yeah, I, so Zach is being criticized quite a bit this season um, for a number of things. One, he's being criticized that he shows lack of empathy to the women that he sends home. Uh, and that basically whenever a woman expresses any sort of like lack of confidence in the relationship it makes he switches very fast and is like yeah you know what i'm not confident and then he sends them home so first i'm wondering do you think that's true do you think that he shows lack of empathy when he sends the women home he got really criticized for his conversation with jess last week where he sent her home and because he didn't seem to, they said that he wasn't understanding where she was coming from with the one-on-one -on -one and he should have been more understanding to her. But what do you think? No, I don't think he's being weird about it or anything. I mean, coming off from, I guess, his previous experiences, at least on the show, he he doesn't want to feel that again. He's, you know, a little gun shy about stuff like that. And, you know, in this kind of alternate reality of The Bachelor, you know, if somebody's saying, like, I'm not confident, 
He doesn't want that because look what happened last time. He fell in love with Rachel and she said she fell in love with him. And then all of a sudden on the turn of a dime, she's like, I don't like him at all. And that like crushed him. So he's like, if you're having second thoughts, because if you don't, if you're not confident about liking me or whatever, then yeah, you're out. He wants to find his love. It's what it seems like. That's what he's going for. And him not having people saying that he's not being, uh, what, what was the word you used? Lack of empathy. Lack of empathy. What are you talking about? He's very empathetic with everybody. You know, he's, I, if anything you can say about Zach, he's playing this game as it should be played. You know, he yeah. is out to find, he is not out to mess around. He is not out to play with emotions of these women just mm-hmm. to hook up. He is looking, he's, he's looking. And so for people complaining, what do you want? I mean, you can't keep everybody. The goal of the show is to eliminate people every week. And it is very difficult. And you can tell that he is having a very difficult time doing so. But a lot of people yeah. like to beat around the bush. And if these people even watch the show and listen to these women, every woman has said, thank you so much for being upfront and honest. It right. sucks that I'm leaving, but I wish you the best. And thank you for being upfront and honest with me. And yeah. Zach's doing a good job, in my opinion. You know, compare mm-hmm. it to Clayton, compare it to other people. He is playing this game. Maybe he's not, he's playing this game to a T, and he's playing it without all the crazy drama that we've seen in the past. So I don't know why yeah. people are, I, I don't, I don't think he has a lack of empathy. I think he's doing the right thing and maybe people are not used to that so they have to Mm -hmm. find something to complain about i don't know that's my opinion what do you think right well first i want to say i don't think rachel ever said she was in love with zach but i do think just to her credit but i do think she let him on she let him on so and that's that was the the big thing because that's what he's been referencing he doesn't want to get he was so let on by rachel she turned a switch and he doesn't want to do that to these women so he and he's trying to be as upfront and honest as he can be with the women. So I, I agree. I don't see lack of empathy, especially because we don't know how much they're, you know, these conversations that we're seeing when he breaks up with the women, they're probably like at least an hour long and we're getting maybe three minutes of it. So we don't know what like emotions they cut out. I I think he shows empathy. I think he seems sad about it. And um, what were you going to say? I was like, wait, he's breaking up with these women. It's taking an hour long. <laughs> well, he's having, I mean, like he's having a conversation, right? Like his conversation with Jess was not as long as what we saw, you know, like. Right, probably, right. It was probably a much longer conversation than the five minutes we saw. So I, I just, I think it that's the unfortunate, or like, you know, I know he got criticized with the Bailey one a long time ago. Like Bailey just, cause that was a very random, like, she's like, I think we're falling behind. And he was like, oh, you know what? Yep. So it's like, and we're also not seeing like it, but that's what you said. That's exactly right. Like, I think people are not used to, cause we've had these bachelors that lead on the women, probably trying to be nice or whatever, not knowing what they, I think the key thing is they don't know what they want. These past bachelors had no idea what they wanted. Clayton, I hate to use him. He was just the last bachelor, but he was a perfect example of someone who didn't know what he was doing. Nice guy. I liked Clayton. 
as a person, I, don't, I still don't think he would have been a, I don't think he should have been bachelor, but no, he, he, didn't know. he fell in love with a few women and it got yeah, down to the wire and he was in love with three women. Three. So he fell in love with three women. He like, and then he literally didn't know what he was doing. Like, I mean, Clayton, Clayton was, this, and he got crucified for being in love with three women, sleeping with two of them and, and being like, Oh, you know what? Like first, and then like he got criticized when Gabby wanted to leave and like, like that, why didn't he let them go right away when he ultimately was going to pick Susie? Well, he didn't know because he didn't know what he was doing. Zach, on the other hand, he does know what he's doing. He is, he's so focused on finding a wife and he knows what he's looking for in a partner that like, I think when it comes down to it, he's just like the moment he, he sees something like he's like, oh yeah, this isn't it. This is not it. Like I have a better connection with two other women here, whoever, like, why would I keep you? He just, he cuts the cord. He's like, let me go ahead and send you home to viewers. I guess that seems cold, but I don't think it's cold. I think he's just, he's just being like honest. I know he's being honest. Right. That's the honest thing to do. I mean, you have to rip that bandaid off. You can't beat around the bush with these women or men because mm-hmm. it's you know it's like oh you're being around the bush you're giving them an ounce you're giving them an ounce and they're like oh there's hope but no he's like he's being very adult about it and the people yeah. complaining are being very childish it's like i would rather you just tell me and be blunt about it and i can mm-hmm. move on you know like yeah it's right. gonna suck and i'm gonna cry but that's part of the whole love thing like you, Look, you it's, it's all part yeah. of it no, it's part of it. If anything, he should be a little bit praised for the fact. Think about how many women he saved from a rose ceremony. There's yeah. he's cut so many women just from group dates or like one-on-one conversations that he hasn't put through a rose ceremony. Like, uh, I mean, I think that's really nice of him. No, super nice because yeah, that would be doing a one-on-one. Suck. Yeah, doing a one-on-one and being broken up with in private rather than mm-hmm. on the stage and being in front of everybody. That would be. Uh, that would give me more anxiety that would, that Mm -hmm. would, you know, be more embarrassing, um, in that element to do it around your peers, uh, rather than have the one-on-one conversation. But no, I, I don't believe. And I mean, I think people are just finding a plane to complain and maybe it's, you know, a younger generation who I don't think really know how it all works. Uh, but It's, it's interesting. Previous bachelors are, well, not Clayton. Clayton's been very nice about him, but there's one, I, I know you didn't watch him, but Nick Vial, who was honestly one of the bit, he's, he's known to be a dick and he calls Zach a dick like on Twitter and stuff. And I'm like, you have some nerve. Cause you're like such a jerk. And I feel like some bachelors because they were criticized, they want to take the heat off them. And they're like, yeah, let's rag on Zach. And it's like, I don't know. I think people should have more, should cut some slack or whatever. Cause I, but I mean, I don't even know if there's slack to be cut. I think Zach's doing a great job. I think he's actually here for the right reasons. He's not trying. I mean, we'll see how fantasy suites go. Uh, they've teased that he's not going to no sex, but which whatever, I don't care if there's sex in the fantasy suites. I think that's something that you should go in expecting is going to happen how, and not get upset if it does. But I will say if he's going to set that rule and then he breaks it, that will be his first mistake on the show. Right. And if he's, you know, he can set a rule for himself. Like he can say to himself or to Jesse, no sex rule. If the women don't know about it, 
then it's game on, you know, like he can, you can say to yourself, no sex. Like you can go into an ice cream shop and tell yourself I'm not eating ice cream. And then it just willpower goes away and you eat ice cream. But if he tells the women no sex and then he has sex, that's an issue, you know, well, definitely that. But I also feel like if you're like, cause you're on live television, you know, it's not like he's having this private conversation with Jesse just off, you know, you're on camera. So if you put that out there, to America and you're saying like no sex and then you have sex. I still think that's a bit of a like, right. Why, but you could like, but, why even say it? Cause like, no, well, because that's what he wants to do. But like, you're in these fantasy suites, you're in this fantasy world and you say like, no sex, no sex, Brian, no sex. And then you get in there and there's four hot women and you're really intimate. Three. You're really <laughs> connected. And you're just like, God damn, I need to have sex. And then it just, you know, that's the thing. But if he tells the women, I have a no sex policy, and then he has sex, that's an issue. Because somebody's wow. going to get hurt, or if he has sex with all four women, I mean, ball three, or move. Three. 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 Four, three. <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, I hope he sticks to it. I, I just think if he's going to put that out there, I hope he does not backtrack. Um because yeah, I mean, it'll probably save him because I'll tell you, I'm over the whole, I'm sick of the conversation where a woman is like, I would hope Zach, if he was going to pick me, doesn't sleep with anyone in the fantasy suite, but I'm not going to tell him that until I'm the last date and he's already had sex with them. And then it's too late. I'm so over that. That's happened before, before Clayton that happened. And I'm just like, y'all, well, to me, it's kind of like, have they not seen the show? That's what the fantasy suites are to get those more important conversations and the option to be intimate because that's a, you know, sure. it's, a, it's a part of it. And if you don't connect that way too, I guess it won't work. But I mean, that's the way to see it. And, you know, you know people like to see that type of stuff, but it's right. why would you do that? I mean, that's just like, it's limiting in the, in the people, the men or the women that are on that side of the fence need to understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it is, it always sucks that if you're last, you know, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, well, they typically save the last girl. Like that's the one thing, the last girl or guy is usually you can tell it must be their front runner so right. usually but i don't know we'll see um i was gonna say just to touch a little bit on this week's episode you did watch monday's episode right i show did yeah so just i mean whatever greer got sent home no surprise sucks <laughs> they flew her to budapest or whatever see like, that was a get- bigger dick move than anything Zach done yeah on that was show, a Yes. Like, I was like, why would y'all do that? I'm like, I feel like I was producer. So I was like, no, we we gotta we gotta bring her. We gotta bring her. I mean, I, I don't know what that was. Well, that like, was that- you know, that might be a Greer option there. Like, do you want to FaceTime him or do you want to see him in person? You mean you get to mm-hmm. go to Budapest and it's kind of uh like, oh yeah, that sounds awesome. And yeah. they're probably not gonna tell her what he's feeling. So sure. you know, Greer missed out on like 10 days or more, and it was just, you know. Yeah, he's he that just it just sucked that that happened, you know, and um, it, and I, I, I kind of get it because she got the first impression, Rose. So she's thinking she has an upper like advantage, like like that maybe she well, gets to stick around two things. You and I both didn't like Greer, really. And then uh, day one, day one, we both didn't like Greer. So we're fine. Also, mm-hmm. for your 
genius in the bachelor bachelorette world you're like the rain man of bachelor bachelorette has anybody gotten a first impression rose and made it to the end oh yeah really may oh wait the final end um okay so usually the if the girl gave the guy a first impression rose that's almost a lot of times that's their winner but if the really a lot of times, a lot of times. I mean, Rachel Latino, and uh, there was, there's been a lot more in the past. Uh, but guys, they t- and they say it's because women know what they want more than the men. The guys usually rarely pick their first impression rose girl, but they make it. Some of them have made it decently far, but they, you're right. They don't normally, they don't normally make it. Um, I mean. Matt didn't give Abigail even a one-on-one as well. Like, and she got the first impression rose. Okay. Uh, but there's a lot, a lot of bachelors don't. Yeah. I would say they make it about as far as Greer did. That might be an average about that. Uh, very rarely do they get to the top four, top three. Okay. But I don't know if there's a bachelor that ever picked their first impression rose girl so it's rare so it would be rare so in 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 this case greer got it and i think when that happened we both said maybe it's because she mentioned austin or texas and that was the thing and like we didn't really like her going through and then she that this happened so you know it's she just it, felt young. She felt young. She didn't. I was surprised he was so crazy about that conversation in the first place. But I guess he um, she I know he I read that he also said she made him feel at ease. But I'm sure that was like because she was like, ah, Austin's my end game. All right, right. Whatever. Like but she I'm sure he started realizing, though, that he has all these like mature women there. And then Greer feels like she's 20. So. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I, I get that. And him and her talking you know it it went as smooth and she took it like a champ like i got more respect for her how she handled it i thought that was awesome i thought Uh, she was very mature about the way she handled it which i was like i again i just feel like some people are just picking on zach just to pick on him because i'm like how else could he have gone about that he was very nice he was really he started out really nicely to her at first like they had light conversation he was like yeah, I just think we missed out and, you know, whatever. And he sent her home and it was fine. She got a private send home. Um, the other people he sent home first was, which I have not been a fan of Brooklyn since last episode. Uh, obviously, he had a one-on-one with Brooklyn and then realized she was not it. I did not like the way Brooklyn handed the drama last week with Kat. I thought she was very vicious and unnecessarily rude to her. Like, I didn't think it was that big of a deal that Kat pulled Zach aside before his date with Charity. I I mean, you're trying to spend time with the guy you think you're going to end up married to. And she hadn't seen him for like a week. So I didn't think it was... If anyone had a problem with it, it I understand Charity had sure. a problem. Right. And Charity did the mature thing and pulled her aside and they were talking about it. And then Brooklyn's over here like... I'm going to come over here and stand by you and then be like uh, rude and just like keep questioning you, even though it's none of my business. Right. I think, I think the thing that Kat did by pulling him aside, kissing him right before the one-on-one date with charity, I thought it was a dick move, 
but it's kind of like, okay, she's doing her thing. I mean, Zach seems like he has a good head on his shoulders. He knows what's going on. And then Brooklyn, she snapped. Like maybe it just wasn't just all about that. It was just, she snapped from the whole being there and doing the whole thing. And she just, she was kind of relentless. Like she didn't let it go. And I think that was like the, her downfall of just like, wow, just move on, man. I think, I think Brooklyn, I think she showed maybe some major jealousy towards Kat. Like maybe she's been feeling jealous of Kat. And that was like her final, like her opportunity to like, let that out. Yes. And I just, I thought that was like, when, when Kat did it, if, if Brooklyn didn't react the way she did, I probably would have been more annoyed with Kat, but because Brooklyn was so rude I was like, okay, you're making me dislike you more than her right now. Cause like, I don't even care what she did. There's no reason to just be like, you're selfish and this, like, I don't know what she called. She called, she just kept calling her names. No, she and, she kept on calling. And like, I know like Kat, what she did was just kind of like a dick, like again, a dick move, but it's like, look at Katie, look at Gabby. Like they handled that. You know, like they're they're staying silent. They're like letting that fall right. out. And over here, Brooklyn, I don't know if she's thinking that like I've got to stick up for everybody here. You know, like and call her out. Nobody's then, upset, <laughs> right? Nobody was upset, like as much as Brooklyn was about it. And yeah. it was, it just seemed like okay, yeah, you can bring it up, and but then it just it it was a thing. Like she kept it going. It was like, man, just move on. It, well, she, the final straw was definitely the way she interrupted uh charity and uh cat's conversation, especially like I could understand if she all of a sudden heard cat and charity fighting, yeah. like she heard them bickering. Sure. You can go up there, but they're literally like giggling and everything's okay. And then you're coming up and you're like, Hey, are you good? Are you okay? And, and literally charity tells her like, I'm good. Like she says, like, we're good. And she's just like, okay, I'm just going to stand here. I'm just going to stand here. And then she begins to question Kat. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? I would have walked away too if I was Kat. I would have been like, no, you can talk to me again, Charity, but I'm not talking to Brooklyn about this. Yeah, she that, that was a little wild. And I'm curious if when Brooklyn watches that back, <laughs> um, she's going to realize like, oh God, like one of those things that you're thinking about 10 years from now, right before you go to bed and you're just like, oh God, cringe. Yeah. I don't know. It was really weird. It's obvious Kat and Charity have a good relationship. Like in this episode, they were telling each other they love each other. So I'm just like, I just felt like it was very unnecessary, but that made me, it left a really bad taste in my mouth with her. Um, and then, so, but he sent her home, not because of that, but because I honestly, I'm not surprised. I didn't think they had the strongest connection on their first one-on-one. Um, so clearly that was going to be telling on their second. And then, um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with the way he sent her home. And then of course, uh, the big shocker I think was him sending Kat home because he had such a strong connection but I do think we got a little foreshadowing in the last episode that he was already concerned. Uh, how do you feel about him sending Kat home? Um, I mean, I guess I was fine with it. Uh-huh. You know, she was, I, I was going back and forth about between charity and Kat. And uh-huh. I do feel, even though charity still is just like, just 
an odd bird to me. Um, I, like I think charity. I, I know you like charity. Y'all should yeah. get married and have babies. Um, <laughs> I, I think charity visibly shows more emotion towards Zach and more genuine feelings towards him. And then it seems mm-hmm. like Kat might say and actually feel the same, but her fucking Star Trek shields are up and she has not really opened up. And I think Zach kind of honed in on that and he's really looking for them to open up. And I think she was at her breaking point with the whole Brooklyn thing and being there. And uh, she, she didn't cross that finish line because if she did, if she was as calm and cool and collected as Gabby Mm -hmm. and Katie, she would absolutely be in that top three. And I think top four or top four. Um, and, uh, I think that's what it was. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm happy charity's in there. I I can't see an end with him and charity. Uh, but, um, it, I like charity. They're oh, just, you finally like her now? I've always liked her, but she's an odd bird. Like, I don't like charity. Last time I talked to you about it, you were like, I don't like her. And I was like, why? I like charity. She's not my favorite, but uh, like, I think I would have gone with Kat over that um, with her at some point in time, but I would definitely like this last time. I've always picking charity to go over cat because of how things unfolded. Well, exactly. What we said, which, you know, and another thing, and I, I think it's funny that people are criticizing Zach for like sending girls home who aren't confident. I'm like, well, what the hell is he supposed to do? Like he's got other women who are confident in their connection and they're not expressing sort of like, Ooh, I don't know about us. Like, I really liked Kat and I agree completely with you. If she would have just stayed cool and confident in what the connection that they had from the start, she would be in that top four right now. But saying things like, I think I'm, I I think so. I think I'm ready for you to meet my family. I I think and showing, she was visibly showing that she's unsure about the relationship. So what, what is he, I mean, like, I don't get why people would say that. Like, why don't you put yourself in that situation and then have four people, you know, that really confident that say they really like you and are real excited and have four people say that they're unsure and they're scared and they're act timid. You ain't going to go with the timid people. I mean, I think that's, that's stupid actually. Like you'd criticize him for going with that person. So I'm like, he's like, these people are just picking on him for, he can't do anything right. Cause I'm like, of course, that's how he should pick it because yeah, you've got the final four he has there. These are all women who are confident in what they have with Zach and they said, I can't wait for you to meet my family there, you know, like all this stuff. So I'm like, of course he's going to like, I get, I totally get why you sent Kat home. I, I was sad because I liked Kat, but I mean, she shot herself in the foot. Like if yep. she would have, she let herself the, the lack of um, seeing him. I think that unfortunately COVID she must be, which I am too, a quality time must be her love language. So the minute she didn't get that quality time with him and then Brooklyn got in her head, it all went south for her. Yep. So, um, which just ultimately then that means they weren't meant to be. And I think he's got four great girls, which, okay. So now the thoughts on the top four, who, who do you think about his top four? We got, we got 
Katie, Gabby, Ariel, and Charity. All right. Okay. Like the four women. That that's a like in Scream Six. That's the core four. I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I, li- I like them all. Um, uh-huh. I one of the think, best top fours I've seen in a while. Yes, yes, and I actually like all four of them. If I had to rank them from likability, and g- granted, this is you know like ranking Tarantino movies, they're all amazing. Yes, um, I would say Charity is number four. Ariel's number three. And then (laughs) that's the way I talk. Um, (laughs) um, And then I would go Gabby second and Katie first. And that's not a personal thing. That is how, what I see for him. I think he has the best. Gabby, wouldn't you? (laughs) I would pick Gabby as my number one. Uh, But Katie and him seem to have the best overall connection. I think he Perfect. has a very good connection with Gabby, but I don't think he's all there yet. I think he likes Ariel. I don't think he's in love with her. And I think he <laughs> likes... Oh, well, well, how do you say it? She's like, it's little... Think of Little Mermaid, Ariel. Ariel, what am I saying? I don't know. You said Ariel first, and then you're like, Ariel. <laughs> <laughs> and how am I supposed to say it? Ariel. Ariel. Like Ariel, in the in the air. Ariel. Ariel. Yeah. Ariel. No, Ari- <laughs> Ariel. You're confusing me. <laughs> oh, I feel like we're back to Tasha. How you could not say Tasha's name for the life of you. <laughs> but. <laughs> oh my God! All right, A- Ariel. I. Th- oh God, damn it! I can't say it. A. That's what we'll say. A. <laughs> the okay. letter A. But uh, Ariel. So I think I think Katie's the his best match and at this moment in time you know they always like to throw a wrench in everything uh it might be somebody else but I think his strongest connection and his strongest love even though he hasn't said it yet is with Katie I think he, he it's a it's a hairline close finish with Gabby the other mm-hmm. two are so far back that I don't think they have enough time to catch up. Uh, but he has to have four women. So right. I think it's between those two. Uh, are we in agreement? We are. Uh, so I definitely think Charity's getting home, sent home next week for sure. She's the bottom for Zach. Um, he likes her. I, I, that's one thing, again, Zach should get credit for. He's done such a good job when he's with these women. He really is connecting with them. And I, I believe when he's with charity, I'm like, Oh yeah, they have such a great connection. It's not until you see him with the other women that you're like, Oh, but it's not like how he is with Katie at all. So, but so I think charity is probably going home next. I would think Ariel after that, uh, even though I thought his one-on-one with Ariel for a split second, I was like, Whoa, she might be number two. But then I saw him again with Gabby and I was like, nah, he's got a pretty strong connection with Gabby. So I, Definitely top two is Katie and Gabby. But after this one-on-one with Katie, I seriously thought he was about to say, I love you to Katie. Like when she was, when she was like crying about her dads and the, you know, like all stuff, I thought like good on him. He didn't, but I really, I, I mean, I almost, I, I almost wanted him to, cause I could feel it. I was like, just say it. Oh wait, don't. But like, I, I think Katie is, and she lives in Austin. She lives in Austin. So that's always been my like plus with her. 
Because I'm like, this could really work. If you guys end up together, y'all don't even have to move. Y'all can stay dating in the same city. I bet you dollars to donuts. He was, he wanted to say it, but he had like a personal thing to himself. Like, I'm not going to say it until, you know, a certain time. I, you know, people I am, I'm actually, and kudos to him because at this point, a lot of leads say I'm falling in love with you, which I think is stupid. I think falling in love and I love you is the same thing. I've had, I didn't tell my husband I'm falling in love with you. And then was like, well, I'll tell you, I love you later. Like that's, it's weird on this show. Apparently falling in love is not the same thing as I love you. But, um, I, I think that that's impressive. He didn't even say I'm falling in love with you. Like he really held back. So, and maybe he, maybe if Katie would have said something, he might've cracked, but I, I, I can tell he's in love with Katie. I can, I feel like in that moment, I feel like that date solidified love and they've been every, every moment they've had together. She does a great, I think she's a great example of someone who's confident in their relationship, but shows, shows vulnerability. She shows her insecure. She shows whatever is her, you know, stuff with her family or whatever is in her head. Um, and she's also goofy. She's like fun. She kind of has a great mix. And I think that's what he likes. That's the Gabby kind of has that too. But I think he has a Katie has an edge. There's more passion with Katie. Right, right. I think it's I, right now. I think it's going to be Katie um, Ariel. Mm, I got it right. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I think. Like, like I said, he likes Ariel. He likes charity, but they're so far down from Gabby and Katie and Katie being mm-hmm. number one. I just think. That's going to be it unless something major happens. Yeah, um, something major would have to happen. But I think that's, I think it's safe to say we both think Katie's going to be the final pick and we think she should be the final pick, right? Correct. Yes. So the final question who should be the next Bachelorette? I mean, I want Anyone. Gabby, but uh, <laughs> I don't know who it would be. I mean, I would want Gabby to be the next one. Um, I can't imagine it being charity and I oh, can't I can imagine, imagine it being charity. You can. Oh God. Yeah. I, from the beginning, I've said, uh, charity or Gabby are probably going to be the next bachelorette. I hope it's Gabby. I don't know if I can take well, a whole season of charity. <laughs> but charity is cool. I don't know why you don't like her. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I guess I, I, I my, uh, my vote is for Gabby. I mean, Ariel is too dry like it doesn't that's like unfortunately that's what i really like ariel i like her a lot and i hope she at least goes to paradise because i think she's an intriguing woman and she's mm-hmm. clearly so smart and put together and uh yeah i would love to see her uh, again and find right. love but i think her personality doesn't shine as much as the other two she doesn't yeah. show as much personality as charity and gabby so that's why like I think, yeah, uh, I I strongly believe it's going to be Charity or Gabby, and I'd be yeah. happy with the one. Yeah, I think it would be interesting to see how Charity does it. But yeah, I would, uh, yeah, I, I I would go for Gabby. Yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see. It's it's interesting. The, the trailers they've been showing for Hometowns with Charity's family grilling him and then Ariel's family... <laughs> 
uh, Ariel's family. Oh my God. I'm, I have a complex now, Susan. Um, <laughs> I'm excited to meet Ariel's dad after her impression of him though. Right. You know right. Well, do. he, I didn't know she was Jewish. And so it actually <laughs> yeah. showed them eating at a Jewish deli. So I thought that was really yeah. fucking funny. There you uh, go. I, didn't know, I knew she was Ukrainian. I didn't know she was Jewish. Right. But like, it seemed like her family, her brother, at least was like, what's her middle name? What's her birthday? What's it? I was like, oh, my God. Was that? Oh, I didn't. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, I hometowns is my favorite episode. So I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to get awkward and fun. So always good. Always good. That's the bachelor talk for this week. Uh, we will be back next episode to talk about hometowns and uh, leading up to the finale of the bachelor. Who will Zach pick to be his number one? And if they stay together. Yeah. So moving on to the main event. It is Oscar season. It is Oscar week. It is Oscar weekend. The Oscars are upon us this Sunday, hosted by Jimmy Kimmel. It's going to be fantastic, hopefully. Are you actually going to watch? Yes, I'm going to watch. Right. I have to watch Kihu Kwan. I have to watch Michelle Yeoh. I have to watch Brendan Fraser. I have to watch this stuff because These I love These people her. better win. Yeah, I, I mean agree. I agree. Either. Hong Chow. I need to watch for these people. Um, so Hong Chow's not going to win, but <laughs> yeah, I, I, yes, I, but I like her. Um, so, you know, we thought it would be fun. We've talked about Oscars on this show before, you know, but we've never done, you know, the best Oscar winners and the worst Oscar winners before on the show. We thought that would be cool to do on this program th this week because uh, the Oscars coming up on Sunday, the Academy Awards. And, you know, there's always a big debate, especially amongst, you know, us colleagues and peers who um, are work and in the professional arena of film to talk about the Oscars because, you know, being in the industry for a decade or more, you in going to award shows live and doing that, you kind of see like, okay, there's certain award shows that really get it right. And there's certain award shows that really get it wrong. The Oscars, I would say maybe 50, 50, um, they can be political. Oscars can be given, you know, do because they're voted on by your peers, you know, like they're voted on by the actors and directors and stuff like that. So everybody, it's the whole, academy. it's the whole Academy. And so there is a lot of favoritism. They campaign. It's, it's a thing. And a lot of the times it feels like, wow, that movie did not deserve it, but they gave it to them just because of the political and social times, which is so dumb. Um, it should be strictly about the film itself uh all up and down they've gotten it right a lot of times they've gotten it wrong a lot of times and i think it's fun to do these little lists and talk about because i'm curious on where we fall with both of our things because i think we susan you and i we have a lot of similar tastes um, sometimes i don't know i think, I think you're do. not i don't know if you're gonna agree with my uh my five well i don't know like i said I, we were doing the the top five worst Oscar winning pictures and top five best Oscar winning pictures. But I will say right now, you said 50, 50 going through the, the best pictures. I would say it's, 
probably more at least 75 percent of the times they get it right at least if not oh no way no way for me for me (laughs) because i was looking i was like oh these are all great like yeah i think i only picked nine uh i and i think that's there's only nine times they really got it right i mean Nine times out of whatever, 96, 95 years they've been doing this. I mean, okay, since the early 70s. <laughs> since the early 70s. I don't know. I mean, I, I could have picked a ton, but I limited. We're supposed to do five. I don't know why Brian picked nine. I overcompensate because I grew up fat. But see, he <laughs> he picked nine. That tells you that he, he liked so many of the best pictures. He had to do a top nine. What are you talking about, Susan? That's, see, <laughs> I, I limited it to five. Do you want to start with the worst or the best? Let's start with the worst. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and I ranked them. Did you rank them or no? Um, I'm trying to. to think. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I can. I can. I can rank them. Did you have five worst, or did you do more than five? I have ten worst. <laughs> God, Brian, we said five. I know I'll only mention five. (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, So how do you want to start this? um, I guess I ranked them. So I'll start with my number five, but I feel bad about this because I don't think it's like I said, I really feel like four really bothered me, but the only reason I have this movie, you're probably gonna be like, no way. But for me, return of the King, Lord of the Rings, return of the King. I didn't think that was the best lord of the rings movie i just okay. i think two towers was way better okay uh, we're, we're gonna talk about this and i'll yeah. tell you why it was and i i agree with you um it, it it absolutely didn't make my list um with the movies that were nominated that year just nominated there's other movies that you can put in this category but we're talking about the ones nominated lord of the rings return of the king got won all 11 oscars that year um and they did it because it was a milestone in filmmaking. Yes. This was one of those things that it didn't go to the right movie, but it they gave it to him because Peter Jackson and the Lord of the Rings, it was the milestone in cinema. It's it like changed. the lifetime achievement thing. Yeah, it yeah. was it was a cinematic lifetime achievement for making these movies and changing the landscape of movies in Hollywood. That's mm-hmm. why they gave it to him for his last, you know, oorah. For the third yes. film um, that year, Lost in Translation, Master and Commander, Mystic River, and Sea Biscuit—your you know first movie. Uh, Should have gone to Mystic River. Should have gone to Mystic River. See, I, I think I, I would have liked it to go to Lost in Translation, but I think we both agree Return of the King wasn't the one. I wouldn't say it's the worst Oscar thing because that no. is amazing. Uh, but I agree, Part Two should have gotten it over Part Three. Yeah, that's the only reason I put that because I couldn't find a number five. And I was like, well, I remember that year when it won. I was kind of like, really? I mean, okay. And I knew it was like a, here you go. This is your lifetime achievement. So um, yeah, what was your number five? Uh, My number five was fucking 2002. um, And it was the one Two Towers would have won, should have won, or another one. But Chicago won that year. 
and I just Chicago. That movie is nowhere near a best picture. Like oh. you, you have never watched Chicago. That one best picture, and that beat out Gangs of New York and I've Lord of the Rings Chicago Two Towers multiple times. That movie is dumb, and Gangs of New York or Lord of the Rings Two Towers should have won that. The other ones that were nominated were The Pianist and The Hours, which that why um gangs of new york and lord of the rings two towers were the two best films of that year that were nominated not chicago mm, i'm gonna disagree with brian on that i was really happy when chicago won because i like chicago but you would uh, i would i would i'm sorry you my... liked it <laughs> oh okay see brian's like oh we, we, we agree a lot it's like i don't think we're going to but all right uh so my number four was the artist because the year the artist won, I thought was absolutely stupid. I, I think the only reason the artist won best picture is because they were like, Oh, look at you bringing back silent movies. That's so great. But in reality, that movie was nothing special. Like there was nothing. It was a very cliche, typical story. And it was boring. I don't know. That was me. Uh, fuck that movie, The Artist, and shame yeah. on everybody for voting that into the nominations and it winning. That wasn't a great move year for movies to be nominated. War Horse, Tree of Life, Moneyball, Midnight in Paris, oh. Hugo, The Help, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, The Descendants, and The Artist were the ones that were nominated. The Help should have won. Hands I agree. I mean, Moneyball is amazing too. Oh, Moneyball uh, was in there. Oh, Moneyball yeah. too. Moneyball and The Help were the two greatest yeah. films that year i mean i yeah. was the one that really loved tree of life but did it? i hated tree of life no, I, I know a lot of people did but Not moneyball and the help were the best films and it went to the goddamn artist and so i mean stupid. that's just pretentious as fuck for people yes it was that. a pretentious pretentious choice that i i remember when it won i was like why why is this when this makes it it didn't do anything out of the norm. It was just, it literally, you could have, you could have just picked an old silent film from the past and been like, here you go. Remember silent movies? I just, I just brought it back. I brought back a, I recopied one. Like it was not the story wise. It was nothing special. I mean, Babylon's better. Like yep. it's just, I don't know. I was so annoyed with that win. I could, I got, I was fine that Damien Bashir or whatever. That was his name, right? Damien Bashir. Yes, yes, yes. He won best actor. I, I understood that because the, you know, I, I'll give him that, but the movie, no. Yeah, not the movie. No, I was upset about it. Um, so I had the artist on my list, um, but mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to say The Hurt Locker won oh, in 2009. Yeah. That you movie. Like the the only reason that one and she won because it was it, it was the women thing, you know, because Duh, whatever it, it, it is. That was the whole thing that year. I'm telling you, the, the Hurt, Hurt Locker, Locker is not as way good better than Avatar. Avatar, Fuck Avatar just... but yeah, I, well, then what do you Inglorious Bastards and Up were better movies than The Hurt Locker. I would even well, say District Nine. Nine was better than The Hurt Locker, but Inglorious Bastards and Up and A Serious Man, yeah, I liked way man. more. But Up in the Air, whatever, Precious, don't care, and Education, oh, don't I love care. Up in the Air. And The Blind yeah. Side were all also nominated. The Hurt Locker didn't need to win. 
it should have been Inglorious Bastards or Up. Um, considering Up was nominated for Best Picture, you know, because Up is a Pixar movie, but Up and Inglorious Bastards were the two best films that year, and it went to Hurt Locker. And but, that movie is definitely not an Academy Award winning Best Picture movie. I like the Hurt Locker. It wasn't my favorite. It's not on my best, but I certainly didn't have a problem with it, like winning. Um, I don't think it was the woman thing. I really don't. I I can it is totally like an Academy movie. Uh, Ooh, I like Up in the Air. That was my favorite that year. Um, I would have, but I knew it wasn't gonna win. And Glorious Bastards was really good. I would have been happy if that won too. But I don't know. I just I don't think it was that bad. The Hurt Locker. I think it was it was a good movie. But it was. It wasn't was, the best directed movie, and it wasn't the best picture. And uh, I think it was the thing of like we're we're giving it to Catherine Bigelow, so that that's the thing. I think that was the chatter, so that's why I think it won. All right. Well, uh, my number three uh, is The Shape of Water because I hate that movie. I think it is a stupid movie. I love Guillermo del Toro. But this movie was not good. It was so weird. And I think that did it for me is the scene where apparently you can just put some towels uh, under the door and you can fill up your whole bathroom with water because that's how that would go. And you can just be swimming in your bathroom. Uh, I don't know. It was just so dumb. And I am still shocked that it won Best Picture because it was not the best. The inner nerd in me is happy Guillermo del Toro won for that. I mean, I know he won for Pan's Labyrinth, which is the infinitely better movie. Shape of Water should is better too. Right. The Shape of Water should not have won. It the best no. movies of that year were Get Out and Dunkirk. Um I want to get out to win. I yeah, I did too. Wasn't, I wanted to get out. Wasn't That's, Black Panther nominated that year too? No, it was not. The, that year, that was, 2017, was three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. The Post, Phantom Thread, Lady Bird, Get Out, Dunkirk, Darkest Hour, Call Me By Your Name, and The Shape of Water. It when went to Black shape. Black Panther get nominated? Um, Black Panther was the year after. Oh, Okay. That um, was, I wanted Black Panther that year, but I wanted Get Out to win. I yeah, I, I think we all wanted Get Out to win, and that was the best film of the year uh, that was nominated. And then Shape of Water won. I agree with you. That's not that's not for me. Mm-mm. What was um, your number three? So my number three, uh, I, it goes back a, a little bit um, to a movie you may or may not have seen, uh, but for to nineteen eighty nine. I remember because it was a very big film, but Driving Miss Daisy. Hmm. I uh, actually have never seen it, but I just because it doesn't pull my interest, so it's not good. It, it it is a good movie, but what came out that year, what was nominated, was Born on the Fourth of July, Dead Poet Society, Field of Dreams, and My Left Foot. And it Field of Dreams is the best movie or uh, of oh. that year, and it went to Driving I Miss love Daisy. Dead Poet Society. I love Dead Poet Society too. I think Dead Poets and Field of Dreams were infinitely better than Driving Miss Daisy. And I know why Driving Miss Daisy won because it's Jessica Tandy. It's got um, Morgan Freeman and it has like the whole racial thing in there. I get it. But I was pissed. I still pissed about it. <laughs> no, I'm not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, yeah, that's on my list. I it, Field of Dreams or Dead Poet Society should have won. So uh, Driving Miss Daisy is on that list. Yes. All right. 
Well, I don't think you're going to agree with my number two because I feel like you would like this movie, but I hate this movie. Uh, no Country for Old Men. What? Yeah, I hate that movie so much. How do you hate No Country for Old Men? The only thing that is good is, is Javier Bardem. He's the only thing that was intriguing about that movie, and I and I agree he deserved his Best Supporting Actor win for that. Okay. But yeah. Other than that, what is that movie about? What is even <laughs> happening? Why am I seeing just so many flies in the desert? I'm bored out of my mind. I just bleh, 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 bleh. And then it won, and I was like, ugh, get out of here. So um, that year was 2007, and I agree, No Country for Old Men. I love that movie. It. <laughs> I think either Juno or There Will Be Blood should have won. There Will um, Be Blood is so much better. I agree. I would watch There Will Be Blood over No Country for Old Men anytime. Uh, or Juno. I, thought, I do agree. Juno. Juno Michael Clayton and Atonement were also nominated that year. Which, I liked Atonement too. I liked right. Atonement. But No Country for Old Men. I love Coen Brothers. I just think There Will Be Blood was better and Juno was better than No Country for Old Men. So I get it. I get it. I love that movie. I wouldn't put it in the worst, but I get it. Okay. All right. What about your number two? My number two, um, my number two, number two, uh, would be uh, oh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? My no, my number two, um, it it is definitely going to be Titanic. Oh wow! People are flipping out right now. People yeah, flipping out. Titanic then, should and- not have fucking won because you want you want to know why? Why? Because Titanic is nowhere near a good of a movie as you remember and it's nowhere near as good as the two movies as good as it gets and goodwill hunting um oh, i agree i like those movies more those sure. movies were nominated and it went to goddamn dumb titanic because it won all 11 oscars that year um the full monty and la confidential were also nominated that year but as good as it gets and goodwill hunting have more charisma, wit, story, and character than Titanic had in, you know, all three and a half hours of that movie. Good uh, gets Goodwill Hunting had better things in thirty seconds than it did in Titanic, and I know why Titanic won, but I, it doesn't deserve it at all. Good as it gets, and Goodwill Hunting are the way to go there. Okay, so I definitely agree about those two movies. I I love both those movies. I love As Good As It Gets, and I love Good Will Hunting. Oh, my God, it's so good. Um, Would have rather one of those won. Well, well, okay, here's the thing. This is an unpopular opinion with Titanic. That's why it's interesting you put it on there. I don't love Titanic as much as everybody else does. People say it's, like, the best movie in the world. It's perfect, all this stuff. And I'm like, I mean... It was a phenomenon when it came out. I mean, people, families went, families went out together. That's how I, I remember watching it with my entire family. Brian is clapping. <laughs> and, uh, and it was, it was good. Like, it was like, you know, I get it. I know why I won because of like what it accomplished as far as like, whatever you want to say visually. And it was big and it was just, it was a, I mean, really, everybody watched it. Everybody saw this movie. It's it's like if Top Gun wins, like uh, at the Oscars this year, 
Although I really, really like Top Gun, so I wouldn't be upset about that. But I just think that Titanic is one of those things that people, I, I agree. I think people revisit it and it's nostalgic and they're like, oh my God, it was so good. But in reality, like I've never wanted to rewatch it that much. Like when I have, like I watched it a lot when I was younger, but now in my older days, I'm kind of like, eh, it's really depressing too. But I just, I agree with you. I think story-wise, uh, both those movies, as good as it gets, and Goodwill Hunting, are way more original and creative. They're just not as big of a spectacle as Titanic, and that's why Titanic won because it was right. Just a bigger movie. Right. I agree. So, yeah, I, I, I'm happy you say you don't like Titanic. I I've been telling people for years like it's not a good movie. I, like there's, <laughs> it's, it's just okay. It's okay. Like, and I think the other was like people are just like oh my god leonardo dicaprio somehow that's the movie that people realize leonardo dicaprio existed even though i knew he existed back in growing pains so <laughs> i i don't but like that was like literally the movie that put him on the map that's yeah. funny susan's yeah. like i seen some first <laughs> <laughs> i just i just think that that was the other thing was like you know we met like kate winslet and like so it was just one of those things but in reality I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it you brought up an interesting point. But my number one, oh uh my number one worst pick. This is I don't think I've been so mad at an Oscar win in a really long time. Well, I mean, like ever. <laughs> and I Trevor was upstairs. We watched it at my parents' house and uh and he could hear me yelling anytime this movie won for anything. I was just like cussing i was like are you kidding me oh my god no Land. okay okay so all right i have that on my list um and i i that absolutely on my list that's actually the first thing i wrote down um, it was the first thing i put it was i was like because to me nomadland should have been a documentary it yeah. should have been a documentary and it would have been so much better as a documentary instead of having these real nomads try to be actors and literally nothing happens in that movie like yes i get it francis mcdormand's a great actress but what are you doing in that movie besides like being yourself right no i mean francis mcdormand took a shit in a bucket and they gave her the oscar right. that's what happened exactly that's and so nomadland is on my list uh it's not the number one for me and i'll tell you why but nomadland so that year 2020 Okay. Uh, Sound of Metal, Promising Young Woman, and Minari, I think, were better than Nomadland by Promising leaps and bounds. Yeah, I, Promising Young Woman was the best film of that year. Uh, mm -hmm. Should have gone to that. Nomadland won because, again, Francis McDormand shit in a bucket and they gave <laughs> the Oscar. It's, it's true. It's what happened. It's how well, they, they thought. Said, they claim it's because it said, like, human stories and empathy and all this. I was like, I don't know where you guys are getting this. I think it was just, Fuck like... empathy. It was, well, it was just... It's people, but I was like, this would have been so good as a documentary. Like that that's what it should have been, not a fictional story. Like people's is people's. And, um, and 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 best director too. Really? Yeah, it's so dumb. Really? It's For so that? dumb. What? It, I agree. It's it's dumb. It's mind blowing. Yeah, Nomad Land. Um, I have a different number one in for I'm one curious. reason. The oh, number God. one movie that I think is the dumbest fucking piece of Oscar bait movie that won. Uh, not okay. I take that back. 
the dumbest fucking not Oscar bait movie, but jerking each other off movie in Hollywood was in 2015. And it's when Spotlight won. That movie, fuck it. The movie... 2015 Mad Max Fury Road came out, and Mad Max Fury Road is the best movie to come out in a long time. Uh, Not even that year. That movie is unbelievable up and down the levels of filmmaking, acting, cinematography, everything. And for a movie like Spotlight to win, it just goes to show that nobody did anything it's like we can't give it to mad max even though mad max was the best movie that was the I, biggest you act crock like of they shit. Would mad max over the other movies that were nominated that year the big but short was- bridge of spies brooklyn the martian the revenant room the martian the martian mad is max is such a better movie than the martian i like the martian i i like the revenant i like the big short but mad big max short Fury- too Mad Max Fury Road is the best movie that of that of the like, five years of of those Oscars. Like nothing has been done like that before, and to give it to something like Spotlight is so such a slap in the face. Well, I don't I don't agree about Mad Max, but I mean it's fine. It was a good movie. I wouldn't. Have, I, there's no way I would have thought they'd give it to it. Um, but Spotlight, I wanted, I remember wanting the Martian win really badly. I would have been happy with the big short, but I, Spotlight's just okay. It's in the middle of the road for me. Uh, the thing that I was happy about it winning was just, it's just what I love when movies can show the power of media. Like, you know, cause I feel like as being like a reporter, we can get criticized that all we do like our, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like an investigative journalist or anything, but there is something really powerful uh, with what the journalism can do. And, you know, these people cracked a huge case. They cracked a huge like scandal. Um, Right. Again, I think it would have been better as a documentary. Okay. Well, fair enough. Yeah. That was the biggest slap in the face. I think to me in all of the Oscars. For you to, but I'm I I don't know how that's worse than Nomadland because at least that was more stuff was happening as a movie. Come on, like what the hell did Nomadland do? It did didn't do nothing. It was terrible. That's what I'm saying. It was way worse than Spotlight. But okay, but let's move on to the best. The best. Oh my God. There's they, they I did. Had a, I could have had. It was it was hard. It was very hard because I have a list here of like movies that were contenders. And I narrowed it down to five because obviously we this would take forever if we do more than five. <laughs> right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. Who, who, who's going first? Who, you can go first. All right. Um, I guess number. I mean, it's it, the first two that I'm picking are is extremely easy. Um, so number five, Godfather one. I mean, okay. Godfather is an amazing movie, uh, and it won, and it deserved to win. So, Godfather won. All right, got it right. Got Trevor it right. would agree with you. That's in his top three all-time favorites. Yep. Um, I picked Shakespeare in Love because I really love that movie. That's on my worst list. <laughs> what? I love that movie so much. Saving Private Ryan is the better movie than Shakespeare in Love. 
Well, I just was really happy that they picked something. It doesn't always have to be like a freaking depressing ass movie. Like that's the problem with Oscars. Sometimes they only pick these depressing movies. They're like, who really wants to go and watch these? Like Saving Private Ryan was a milestone in filmmaking. There's only been a few times. One was Lord of the Rings. One was The Matrix. One was Saving Private Ryan. It changed the cinematic landscape of how movies were made. Shakespeare in Love did nothing of that. Saving Private Ryan changed the cinematic landscape? Nobody had filmed war scenes like like Spielberg did those opening 30 minutes. Like that was not Mm -hmm. heard of. He put you in the center of that. That was a different kind of camera technique that it was very new and then people started using that that it was a milestone in filmmaking and i i don't think every it's great that that's awesome but i mean then you go back to your argument of titanic then because people would argue that 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 was a milestone in filmmaking too we didn't see anything like titanic beforehand like that was that's what that's that's why that movie won so much because of like the way uh James Cameron like filmed the ship. Right? Yeah, and I I will say Titanic that aspect and the visual effects and to a T to the detail was amazing. Yeah. So, but but that goes back to my point. Just because a movie does that doesn't mean they deserve best picture because it's a it's a whole it's a whole. And I've always been a story girl. I'm always going to go more for story and characters. That's just what I gravitate towards. I do appreciate. Uh, visual achievements. I really do. And I know there's a lot of work behind the camera like to pull off Saving Private Ryan. But Shakespeare in Love was something really unique for me. I mean, I hadn't seen a story like that. And I thought it was funny and lighthearted, but it sent an important message. And it was, I don't know, I just really enjoyed the love story. It was, I mean, it technically it was a rom-com, but yeah, I like that movie. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Once you, all right. Oh, you said you're right. Okay. Um, you're number four. All right. Number four is the amazing underdog story, Rocky. Okay. Good. Choice. Rocky is uh, one of the best films ever made. That was a very difficult year for Oscars. Taxi Driver, All the President's Men was nominated, but Rocky, dude, like Sylvester Stallone, the, a nobody at the time. Rocky just showcased what it was like. You know, for like a big machismo man, like falling in love and putting fam like it that movie's still great in the underdog. Yeah. It, like it birthed the underdog storyline and it's it's so wonderful. Rocky was on my like contender list, but didn't make it. Um that's a great choice though. I do think Rocky is really good. Um my number four is Rain Man. Um Rain Man is absolutely on my on my best of list too. It didn't make your top five. Uh, so no, it did not. It, it's, oh, it's, it's in my top nine though. Okay. Yeah. Rain Man. I mean, come on. That movie's incredible. That movie is incredible. I love that and movie. This I could rewatch it. If it's, if I catch it on TV, it's really hard not to like keep watching, but it's great performances. Again, I think Tom Cruise is underrated. I don't know why he doesn't get more credit as the actor that he is. But I was happy Dustin Hoffman. Obviously, he does a great job that he got credit. Um, right. But yeah, wonderful movie. Rain Man is amazing. 1988. Mm-hmm. Uh, fantastic movie. Um, all right. Number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, one Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I still uh, from 1975. 
that. And that's a very difficult movie because that 1975 was an insane year for movies. So you have Barry Lyndon from Stanley Kubrick. You have Dog Day Afternoon. You have Jaws from Spielberg in Nashville. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest absolutely deserved to win that. That's one of the greatest books and one of the greatest movies of all time with some of the best performances from everybody involved, including Jack Nicholson, Danny DeVito. Um, oh God, who else? Uh, well, the nurse ratchet lady. I, it, it, one Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is amazing. Like it's one of the best movies. So kudos to them winning. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it. I believe it. Uh, my number three, I was so ecstatic this year, that year, this one, but uh, Argo. I loved Argo. Argo. So Argo is a good movie. And, you know, that's like, you know, Ben Affleck. You know, we all make fun of Ben Affleck, but. Uh, he's a and great then, director. He's he, a great director. He is. Everything he's directed has been good. Like, except for maybe that night movie. I forget that one. Right, right. Uh, so I like Argo a lot. That year, 2012, there are some really good movies in there. Yeah. Um, like, I really love Beast of the Southern Wild and Django Unchained. I would have liked, I would have been happy if those two won. I almost wish they, one of those two would have won over Argo, but those top, the top three Argo, Beast, and Django, I'm so happy. Life of Pi, Lincoln, Les Mis, Silver Lining Playbook, and Zero oh, Dark like Thirty did Lining. not win. Um, you don't like Silver Lining? No. Fuck no. Uh, I like it, but I wouldn't have wanted Silver Lining to to win. Best Correct. Argo, Argo was so good. Like Ben Argo Affleck. Argo was great. Did, really great job and for me it's one of my favorite cinematic experiences with uh like i watched it with my dad at the press screening uh-huh. and the tensity that we felt like through so many scenes but especially the airport scene mm-hmm. oh my god that just no it's directly- crazy yeah the suspense was at an all-time high mm-hmm. And I think Argo won because it's been Affleck and because it had the Hollywood aspect behind it. I mm-hmm. I will still say that I think Beast of the Southern Wild and Django Unchained are better movies. Uh, but I, I was happy Argo won. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So this is my number two? Yes. Ooh, shit. Oh, my God. How do I do uh, this? Um, <laughs> I know my number one, and so I'm not going to do number two. So, all right, so... I said Godfather one, so I'm not Godfather two one. I, I put that on my list. I put Annie Hall on my list, and now it's between two other movies that I'm having such a hard time to figure out <laughs> to do no, to do my second one. So I I'm just gonna say it. And I don't know if it's biased or not. I love these. Two. This is very difficult for me, but I'm gonna say Schindler's List. Um, uh-huh. The other one was gonna be Parasite. Uh, Parasite was on my short list. Yeah, but I'm I'm gonna say that Schindler's List. Out of that okay. year, it was The Fugitive, The Piano, Remains of the Day in the Name of the Father. Schindler's List. That movie is incredible on all levels. Um nobody has ever done a movie like that before, and I don't think ever will, um, to get the realness down of what happened um during the Holocaust at Auschwitz Birkenau. Um, and Spielberg just really knocked it out of the park. And, uh, that even with the subject matter and it being Spielberg, I just still think that without those elements, maybe being biased, um, I think it's still a 
like a perfect movie. Um, so I'm putting Schindler's List at number two because I know you haven't seen it yet, Susan. I, um, that's a choice. That's a choice. <laughs> I, I I know. I know that we're going to watch it one day. Um, no, yes. I'm not going to watch that. You need no. to watch it. My heart won't be able to. It's the same thing as Green Mile. Like, I can't do it. I can't. You, you can do it. Um, mm-hmm. it, it. I will watch One Oak Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest if I can find it. I would definitely watch that one. I've always wanted to see it. Oh, man, it's amazing. Um, you'll recognize so many people people in there. Christopher Lloyd, Dane DeVito. Yeah, yeah, there's so many people. Um, well, I remember there was a time I was trying to find it, and I couldn't. Oh, it's on HBO Max. Okay, great. I'll, I'll watch it. I've always wanted it never had a, the ability to, but I will watch it. Oh, good. <laughs> Um, all right. Not. All right. That was my number two. All right. Okay. Um, what, what, what's yours? My number two is a movie that's actually like probably in my, definitely in my all time top 20 movies, if not top 10, I'd have to reevaluate my like all time, but at least definitely the top 20 American beauty. I fucking love that movie so much. I think it's, I, and that's another movie that I'm like, I think that was outside the norm for the Oscars to pick that movie. Uh, usually those are my go-to like favorite films of the year, movies like that. And so I was so ecstatic when it won best picture. I just think it's a great movie. So I want everybody to hear Susan. She doesn't love that movie. She fucking loves that movie. I do. It's so good. It's, it's one of those movies that I love showing people. Like I showed Trevor that movie and I, cause there's such a great twist to it. And that's, I think that's the other aspect that I liked that movie because you don't know who killed uh, Kevin Spacey's character. And there's like so many possibilities. And I I just love when it comes out, like what it is. And I, I, but I mean, it's just, it's a a beautiful story too, at the same time. But I think it's, and I think all the characters are just so captivating in that movie. Yeah. It was one of those movies where it's like, Oh, we see this, you know, dark comedy drama so many times about a perfect life white picket fence mm-hmm. white family and all of a sudden it's like you know the trailers like look closer go deeper and it's like yeah. all fucked up type of things in every corner of the street and uh yeah they did a really good job in like the music in that movie and mm-hmm. yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a great movie the plastic bag the plastic bag, which is still a fucking funny meme and gif. Yeah. <laughs> it's beauty. All right. Um, all right. You want my number one? I do. Let's hear it. The number one movie that the Oscars got it so right on every level for everything. Because this movie won the four major. It won actor, actress, movie, and screenplay. And it's okay. the only time that the Oscars got it fucking right and they haven't gotten it right since. What? You just said named. You said you have nine movies that are, you like, how is it that they- Right, but like fully, fully got it right. Fully got it right with all the Oscars. And it was in 1991. Okay. So I was really young. (laughs) Silence of the Lambs. I knew that was going to be your number one. I It was on my short list. And I was like, this is going to be Brian's number one because it's a horror film. It, Silence of the Lambs is more than just a horror movie. That movie well, is perfect on every level. It's memorable. The dialogue, the twist, the story, everything about this movie is earned. And it's still memorable today. People still talk about this movie today. It's held up. It It is unbelievably good. 
in Silence of the Lambs is the that that's they got it right. I like Silence of the Lambs. I think it's a great movie. I'm happy that it won Best Picture because I think outside of like a movie like Parasite, it's very rare that those kinds of movies win Best Picture. Yep. So I think that was a good choice. I was surprised if you were going to have, I didn't know, were you a fan of Million Dollar Baby? That was another one on my short list. I like Million Dollar Baby, but definitely not for Best Picture because Million Dollar Baby, that that year, it, it was an okay year, but- yeah, Sideways was the best movie of the year in 2004. Mm. That I was a huge fan of Sideways. What else was nominated? There was something else. Ray, Finding Neverland, and The Aviator. Uh, I wanted Finding Neverland. I remember that. Yeah, no. Um, but actually, since I've rewatched Million Dollar Baby, I have had a new appreciation for it. It is really, really good. And very sad. But that's not my number one. <laughs> it is very sad. It's so sad. Um, My number one is a movie that I just is a great movie and i was really happy it did really well at the oscars that year too uh slumdog millionaire okay all right so i i thought about slumdog millionaire i did uh i remember seeing that and i was like yeah go um oh god what's his name um direct Uh, danny Danny boyle Boyle. yeah and so with that with that year i think slumdog millionaire is the most memorable so the reader, Milk, Frost, Nixon, and the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. So it would be between Benjamin Button and Slumdog, and I think Slumdog mm-hmm. does inch it out. Even oh, though yeah. it, uh, Benjamin Button, uh, uh, I don't know. God, I Benjamin Button's kind of slow. It's a little slow and kind of like right. I mean, it's it, good, but it doesn't do what. Slumdog Millionaire, I mean, maybe it's also because I was a huge fan of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Like, I really right. love that show. But I thought it was so creative to that story, like, to to do, to do see it that the flashbacks way. of why he knew these answers was just so intriguing. And then the story was so compelling. And there's great acting, great music, great directing. I mean, it's just a, to me a great example of a best picture. Uh, I agree. I, with what was, I think that year there, I think there was better movies, but they, they weren't nominated. So like that year, the dark Knight should have been nominated. Um, that, Wally. Well, that was the, yeah. I, I think that changed the landscape of uh, the, the top 10. Like then they changed it to 10 movies because people did think dark Knight should have been nominated. Right, I right. Think Dark Knight should have been nominated. I don't know if I would have still. Been, I think Slumdog was. It's it's a great story. Like it really. It is, is a great such, story. It is, it is a, a great it's story. It's so good. Like I mean, that's I, I don't know. And of course, I, I I like when the Oscars can pick different cultures. You know, that's a beauty of Parasite. If if everything everywhere all at once wins on Sunday, like they've been criticized for being so white. You know, like, and I think there's something I, I I don't necessarily like whatever. That's a different topic. But I just think when you can highlight a different culture like they do. And mm-hmm. because there's there's elements of Bollywood to Slumdog Millionaire. Oh, for sure. And and I think that that's it. It um it Americanized it in a way to where everybody watched that movie afterwards. I mean, they had already seen it before, but it put it on the map. And people who would normally not watch a movie like that because they'd be like, oh, no, it's they probably scoffed and was like, oh, it's an Indian movie or something. Then they're 
it brings a new audience and it, I don't know. I, that's the other, I'd like the power of, of that. Right. Right. No, I agree. And, um, that is our, um, that is definitely our top five worst top five best, uh, move Oscar winning movies. Uh, and in this year quickly, what's, what do you want to win? What's the one movie you want to win? Well, my favorite film of the year was Top Gun. Uh, and so I will still be happy if that won, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on this, uh, everything everywhere all at once train. And I'm, I think at this point it's almost going to be upsetting if they don't win. So I'm, I'm for that. I, I'm a, I agree. I will only be happy if Top Gun or Everything Everywhere All at Once wins. I those I'm, are the only two. Yeah, those are the only two. I I won't be happy if the Fablemans wins. I won't oh. be happy if Banshees wins, even though I like those oh. movies. Um, and I will definitely not be happy if anything else wins. Uh, anything but, else wins is crap. Yeah, Everything <laughs> Everywhere All sure. at Once or Top Gun. I'm gonna be happy. Yeah, Top Gun for obvious reasons, but. I mean, I'm going to be ecstatic for everything. So. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Now on to our blind watch, uh, which is where each each episode, one of us picks a movie we both haven't seen. We watch it together and we talk about it here on the show. This episode, it was Susan's pick and she picked the movie Devil in the Flesh from mm -hmm. 1998. It's an American erotic thriller. I see where her mind is. Came out yeah. on August 21st, 1998. It is about 100 minutes long, and it stars Rose McGowan. And also, there's a few other people in it. Uh, and a log line for this movie is uh, kind of basically... Um, a young girl, a teenage school girl um, who falls in love with the wrong people, um, falls in love basically with her teachers and then things start to happen. There's a lot of abuse um, and it feels a lot like uh, the Glenn Close epic movie Fatal Attraction in a way. Um, but this was kind of like when Rose McGowan was really on top of her game, like at the big height uh, or start of the height of her career. Um, so, Susan, what made you pick this? What did you want from it? What was your what was your expectation? And watching it, uh, what, what, what were you what What are you thinking? Um, well, I typically like movies like this. I, I call them lifetime movies on crack where like um, somebody gets obsessed. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be a woman. I've seen it the other way around where the man gets obsessed with the woman too. Um, they have those on lifetime as well. Uh, but I love when there's like an obsession story that's so ridiculous. Um, and so I just, and I, I like Rose McGowan. I mean, I, I think she's man back then she was so beautiful uh not to I'm not saying she's not now i just she's she was like she, back then i would say she was one of like the, the hotties for sure uh and i don't know i just uh i thought it'd be fun i, I didn't want to pick a rom-com for brian because that's typically where i go is like <laughs> let me bring him into this world of these um obsession movies i was also curious how you'd react to it because i wasn't sure how you like these kinds of movies i I like these movies, you know. I yeah. I like that shit. It's uh, it's fun to watch, especially when it yeah, kind fun. of takes you a little bit over the top into 
not a fantasy setting because clearly a teacher student relationship is very normal. Like that happens more often than you would think. Mm -hmm. But in this case, it's almost kind of like the omen uh, and fatal attraction had a baby Um, because the movie's called devil in the flesh. The poster is Rose McGowan with fire in her eyes and red long fingernails. So there's almost like a devilish aspect to this. Um, and so how it plays out, you know, you actually feel sorry for this, for Rose McGowan, which because- that's something I didn't expect. You don't normally don't, but, but yes, there's a lot of, I didn't expect for me to want her to kill as many people as she did. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, there's a point in when you don't feel sorry, like there's no redeeming quality to her when she kind of goes on a rampage towards the end of the movie. But before that... Yeah. I mean, she, she, the first scene of the movie is her watching her house burn down with people inside of it. And you don't really know what's going on, but you can tell it's like kind of like that, that famous meme that's been around the internet for years where there's like a burning house and like that little girl looking at the camera smiling. That's kind of like, maybe that's where they got this. You know, there's that scene (laughs) in this movie at the beginning. You're just like, why, why is she smiling? And you find out that one of her her high school teacher and her mom were in the uh house that burned down and so um she is sent to live with her grandmother and her grandmother who i'm going to say it was one of the most fun characters in cinema no it's not in cinema but like she is so goddamn awful it's cartoony awful and it was just yeah. like susan and i were watching this and we were just like goddamn I was like, she's a racist bitch. Like, that's what she is. At first, I was like, oh, man, her grandma's a bitch. And then she says that thing to the uh, whatever, the placement. I forget what the job is, but the person who was putting her there. She's like, you didn't sound Asian on the phone. Yeah. She's a racist bitch. Yeah, the grandmother, (laughs) she has, like, this old, quaint home, like, large home. And she's really into Jesus. She listens to the Republican Jesus radio stations. She has all these Jesus Christianity rules. And, of course, you have Rose McGowan, who, in real life and at the time, and in this movie, she's kind of goth. She's kind of cool, punk rock type of thing. Uh, And they just don't mix. It's almost like a sitcom. Um, But then it's just like, oh, my God, like this grandmother is really abusive to her and she's getting yeah. picked on at school. And then this one teacher, you know, kind of, she's the new girl at school and she, the teacher kind of, you know, takes her, takes her under his wing to like make her feel comfortable. And this is when like, you think it's going going to go where the teacher is obsessed with her, but it's the other way around. The student, Rose McGowan, becomes obsessed with him. And even though he might subtly lead her on, like he doesn't make like a move on her physically or anything, but he like puts out a vibe. Um, He does. He does. It's definitely, and I was happy to see he didn't actually like do anything with her. Because based on the trailers, I was a little worried. There's like a dream. That's like the worst of it is he has a dream. But there are in these movies where I've seen them actually like hook up with the person. And then that obsession grows. And then it's like, well, what'd you expect? But in this one, you actually really do feel bad for the teacher. He's like, well, he really didn't. I mean, like you said, there's probably some some things he probably shouldn't have done. Like, eh, you probably shouldn't have maybe 
let her help you with this garage sale and stuff. But I mean, at the same time, I don't think that that's terribly out of No, no, for sure. It's not. Program, so, yeah. He, another, he was going to have another, he even said he was like, yeah, I wish the other girl could have come, you know, like. He, right. And then he was up front and honest with her in the movie is like, this is not a thing. This is not a thing. And then all of a sudden Rose yeah. McGowan showing up naked, taking a shower, breaking into his house. And then it just kind of goes from there. And then with all the abuse and then like this one guy, jock idiot at school mm-hmm. wants to hook up with her and, you know, almost rapes her. And you're just like, yeah, yeah. man, that was justified he attacked her she defended herself but then you're just like okay i I feel sorry for her but then at some point in time towards the end of the movie it's just like man she killing people yeah then she's (laughs) killing people that shouldn't be getting killed and i think yeah i mean that's like a thing and like when you talk about fatal attraction and glenn close becoming so attached to um it's my is it michael douglas or richard gear i can never remember michael douglas michael douglas and her stalking him and kill, you know, sending dead dead animals, and it's just that's really creepy, and it becomes like a big thing. But between them two, but in Devil in the Flesh, it is very much like she. The I feel like if she had proper guidance and a proper support system, she could have gotten help. But since she doesn't have that, and she's killed the people close to her. Even in the beginning, when she kills her mom and the teacher, there's something off. And I think it's only a matter of time before she seems normal again and then goes downward spirals. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was interesting to watch because, like Susan said, you feel for this Rose McGowan character, Debbie, her name is in the movie. And you just like, wait, like, do I feel sympathy for her? I can't yeah. because of this. Um is okay so with this movie this movie came out in 1998 it feels like it came out in 1992 or 93 because oh my god it feels like mtv generation editing oh my god music. the editing is so bad like i can't even some of the choices like the weird flash like the like of like the almost like jump cuts like to be like like black what do you call that like that black transition like like a flash or whatever. a dissolve i don't even know if it was a dissolve though it wasn't even it was like a transition it was a transition to like purposely do a jump cut almost during the sex scene it was like oh boom. yeah yeah there, there's a lot yeah. of that and then like if you think of music videos and like when the camera like pans really fast around a city and then like it does yeah. that a lot but not in like an action movie kind of way. It feels very early, mid nineties, like skater punk movies or airborne rat, you know, stuff like that. And it does not make sense here because this is like kind of a slow burn suspenseful Mm -hmm. thriller. But then for being 1998, we got to be hip. We got to be cool. So we're putting in this weird shit in here. And it's like, Susan and I were just dying laughing, watching this together. It was 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 funny. I was like, this editing is interesting. Normally they don't try to be that, I guess you could call it creative. It was like poor creative choices on the director. They kind of go with those stories. They usually go a little bit more standard filming, but. Right. Yeah. It did. It didn't make sense. It, it did not fit into this world. Uh, 
And uh, but Rose McGowan turns in a great um, a, a great performance. Like I think she's always good, and she yeah. kind of plays. She walks that line of sympathetic to diabolical and Mm -hmm. even in the end when she's killing multiple people when she is doing this you you still kind of feel for her because you know she's not in her right frame of mind um to it to a degree uh so yeah i i like this movie um for all of its thought i like this movie Yeah, I mean, I like movies like that. So you have to enjoy those types of movies. If you're not the type of person that likes those, like you find those obsession movies like uh, Like Obsession or The Boy Next Door or I'm trying to think, there's so many, right? Like this is just, this is a very familiar formula. And it's, if you like those, this is great. This is a really good option to watch. There's a little bit something different there because you do empathize with the psycho a little bit more in the beginning and afterwards she's off the rails, but, um, and I think Rose McGowan does a great job and I do appreciate, there's a little twist there at the end that I appreciated because at first I thought this was the end and I was like, if this is how it ends, that is not good. <laughs> and then it, I was like, Oh, okay. So I recommend it. It's on Amazon prime. So I recommend okay. it too. And it's interesting because I don't know if this was really released in theaters a whole lot, um, yeah. But there was a sequel two years later without Rose McGowan. It starred Jodie Lynn I'm sure that was straight to video. I'd have to imagine that one. Right, right. I'm pretty sure it was too. Um, but yeah, it, the Jodie Lynn O'Keefe replaces the Rose McGowan character. Um, and I want to watch it too. I'm going to probably watch that one. Right. So, yeah, I, I'm curious on where they go with it. Um, but uh, just from reading about it, it's like the first sentence says, Debbie, the, the Rose McGowan character, escapes from a mental int- institution. <laughs> so uh, I guess after the events of the first one, she goes to a mental in- institution and then she escapes. So there you go. There you Part go. two. Um, so uh-huh. that's our blind watch. Thank you, Susan, for seeing that. Uh-huh. See it on Amazon Prime. Devil in the Flesh. I picked um, it because I was hoping you'd enjoy it. So, yes. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. you for thinking of me. <laughs> uh, my blind watch is going to be Schindler's List. Nope, I won't watch it. <laughs> You've already <laughs> seen it. Can't work. Can't work. Can't work. Can't work. All right. What other Holocaust movie can I give you? Don't. You've picked you enough. <laughs> Enough. I That's don't enough. want to see children dying. <laughs> as I much as you enjoy it, Brian. As much as I enjoy it, seriously. <laughs> um uh all right. So uh round out this long ass podcast. Our um yeah. we are going to do our little honorable mentions real quick. What are we watching? What are we enjoying? Um, Which I didn't put this on, but I was curious. Did you watch the Chris Rock special yet? I absolutely did. Okay, I we're we're gonna watch it, but I've heard really like it's not doing well. I hear he's I hear it's not funny, and he's just mean. And there are some people saying it makes people happy that Will Smith slapped him, which is insane to me because this this uh, special Chris Rock did was hilarious. You think uh, it was hilarious, okay. Oh, so fun. I laughed all the way through it. He he covers Meghan Markle. He covers he covers a lot of great shit. Uh, he covers his daughters. Um, 
it's it's wonderful. I laugh okay, through the whole thing. The, judge because I haven't watched yet. But yeah, right. it's hilarious. The last ten minutes, he he brings up the Will Smith thing, and it is spot on the money. It is it's spot on the money. It's amazing. And well, I okay. Well, there's one thing I already know I'm not going to like that he's doing. Oh, I loved everything. He, they needed to be called out, and he did it perfectly. Um, so uh, I, I was happy about it. I, I liked what he did. Um, it, it was great. I don't know why people are still behind Will Smith and Jada on this uh, whole thing. I don't thing. think anyone's necessarily trying to be. They were behind him. They were behind him at first, but they're saying that this one, this this whole thing made him more like, it basically like people were rooting for him and now it's like he stooped their level kind of thing. No, not at all. He called them out. Like what happened? Like it was amazing. Like he, 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 Chris Rock told it how it is and how it should be. And it, it was great. I fully side with Chris Rock 120 million percent. It was, it was great. And it's funny too. Um, okay. I like it. It's really good. I definitely recommend it. Chris Rock's funny as shit. Right, um, 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. We'll see. It's weird. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. Um <laughs> I I get I I give it an A plus plus. Um oh, wow, okay. I do. What else am I watching? Uh Poker Face is still amazing. It's on Peacock. That show is brilliant. If you haven't watched Poker Face, please watch Poker Face with Natasha Leone, done by Ryan Johnson. It is uh it's so good detective story from ryan johnson who did brick and knives out and glass onion it is it's wonderful the last ep- this last episode last week brought back the ryan johnson collaboration with joseph gordon levitt and it's brilliant and wonderful it's so good also last of us is just still amazing that hbo does it right that show is emotional and scary and everything in between mm-hmm. um also uh i've watched the first episode of ted lasso season three and it is great it is wonderful Plus, i can't so i put i put that on the list too i just want to make sure because uh, we get them early and is it completed or is it doing the thing like last season where we had like episodes that we could see a green screen and stuff like that um I it, the, at least in this first episode, most of it's not green screen stuff. And like with the green screen, it's like the the crowds in the background of the of the soccer field of the pitch and like TVs and rooms. So there wasn't a lot of that in the first episode. Um, but again, like last la- for season two, we got like six or seven episodes at once, but now they've only given us one episode. So no, there's, there's four now. Oh, there's four now. All right. Well, I have my work cut out for me today. Um, so, so far I really like it. Um, I will say the first episode, they really, uh, they really lean into really heavy winks and nods to a certain very like the biggest movie franchise ever. Um, and it's really funny. Uh, you'll see it and you're like, Oh shit, look at that. So, um, and when I say the biggest movie franchise ever, it's the biggest movie franchise ever. And it's blatantly funny and great that they did it this way. So you'll see it, uh, with that. Uh, yeah, those are my, those are my picks. All right. Um, well, uh, Scream 6 comes out this weekend. Brian and I saw it. I think we both enjoyed it. 
Highly recommended. Um, highly recommended. I think it's way better than the last one. Yep. It's dark, lots of great killings. I, I had a lot of fun with it. It's, um, it's amazing. It's amazing. Also, Creed 3 is in theaters. I enjoyed that movie. Uh, even even if it's the weakest of the three, it's still good. Still so. good. Agreed. I, I It's the weakest of the three, but still great. Worth seeing in yeah. IMAX. Yes, yes. Uh, I haven't started Mandalorian season three, but I know yeah. they have one episode out. I, I plan on watching it, but I think I might let it build up. Oh, right. Yeah. I watched season, I watched season three, episode one. It was very good. Was good? I like, oh yeah, I liked it. Oh my God. Baby Grogu is the best and uh, Mando's the and best and it's, it's good stuff. Uh, the, yeah. Go Mandalorian. Hi, yeah. Highly recommend. Well, I'm excited for that. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't mention it. <laughs> I forgot. Uh, so much so much for watching and then um i just very late in the game but i literally last night i finished glow i had never seen that show i didn't realize it was completely done so I went are you fucking and- pissed they canceled that show that show is so goddamn yes. good well i don't like the way they ended it i was like Wait, well they were supposed what? to come back for another season and they just got canceled they didn't end it yeah. they it got canceled I- I heard it was for because of COVID because I read that they were renewed for a fourth and final season, which would have been perfect. And no, they just like screwed them up and they, they left on cliffhangers. And I was like, that's annoying. Um, no, that show is awesome. Glow is great. I figured you probably just love that show. So oh, I mean, I recognized all of them the actual wrestlers in the show and I knew yeah. the story and Mark Marone is so great. And Mark when Marin? her f- Mark Marin, yeah. Mark Marone. um i i i love him and i love that i love that scene i love piz from uh veronica mars i I really think we needed more understanding of i mean i think we got clarified that he is gay right 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 but he was such a good character and i love the aspect of i love the chemistry between um, Allison Brie and her blonde friend, and I love when the blonde friend realized like open. wrestling was a uh, soap opera, and I was like, "Oh my god, yes!" And I think just... Allison Brie is like my favorite character in that show. She's, she's, she's so, so good. good. Yeah, I'm uh, glad you watched Glow. It's great. Yeah, I it's it's if anyone's into it, I mean, yeah, I think the first two seasons are very heavy with the pro wrestling stuff, but I grew up watching that stuff with my brother, and it was I found it kind of cool and fun. Um, love the music. The yeah, soundtrack to great. the show is great. But yeah, yeah, it was a it's a fun thing. I'm bummed it didn't get one more season. It should have. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. And so yeah, um, that is the honorable mentions. Watch all that stuff. Thank you for listening to our podcast. <laughs> no BS with Brian and Susan. You can find Susan on thischickslicks.com, Irving Community Television, ICTV. Check all of her reviews, her interviews out, her her reporting. It's all good. She's also on WFAA, uh, Channel 8 in Dallas. Um, she's on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. This Chicks Flick, Susan Kamyab Stevens. She's the woman. She's the myth. She's the legend. Check her out. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. And I'm Brian Kluger. HighDefDigest.com, YouTube, Instagram. Uh, Twitter, check me out. Read our reviews on Scream 6. We see you next time. Thank you for listening as always. Mm-hmm.